why do we tend to celebrate early birds as productive while we dismiss night owls as lazy? That's the first thing we discuss on today's episode. We also discuss designing for the average and the problems that creates. If at times you feel like you're living in a world designed for someone else, it may be because you are. Welcome to the Living Life Our Way podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you live intentionally. Our goal is to take back control of our lives by living life on our terms. Join us as we work towards living life our way. In a video released a little bit over a week ago, Matt Diavella and Sarah Dici partnered together and switched their schedules. Matt Diavella is a early bird and Sarah Dici is a night owl. It was super interesting to see the results of this experiment. And one of the points that was made is that we celebrate the early bird. We kind of dismiss the night owl. And Matt Diavella says something that was really poignant. Regardless of when you get up, it's clear that we live in a society that advantages early risers. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no question about it. Something I hadn't really thought about from the standpoint of... Um, uh, of the idea that some people just naturally are more productive on a different schedule than, you know, what public education and even the workday sort of promote this idea of get up early, get going. Um, and so for those for whom that more traditional schedule is a fight, that's it, it's a challenge. And it, and it probably is based on some stuff that uh, the, the science wouldn't bear out. Matt Diavella cites this study from a guy named Christoph Randler. And he says, when it comes to business success, morning people hold the important cards. My early research showed that when they, that they tend to get better grades in school, which get them into better colleges, which get them into better job opportunities. Yes. And again, the question that it raised in my mind is, is that because there's something about adherence to that schedule and really whether or not it comes naturally, but adherence to that schedule that create some physiological or mental or discipline advantage that is then manifest in those ways? Or is it because you can abide that schedule and that's the only schedule that's really available to have success? Yeah, I think it's interesting to look evolutionarily. We're predisposed to early, to bed early, to rise, to basically rise and rise and sleep with the, to basically wake and then go back to sleep with the sun because at night, that's when all the predators come out. And in the morning, that's when all the food would come out to start gathering gathering their food. Sure. So I think that there's some kind of evolutionarily that's built into us a little bit. Right. But a lot of it is just kind of societal pressure and kind of uh, Ford and his factory uh, system that kind of led to the modern education system, which is just come in nine to five. We hear about that all the time. But there are a lot of people for which the nine to five isn't all that effective. Yeah, and I, I will say that that there it, it probably cuts both ways. You know, as is often the case, it's not purely the bias of the system against the individual for whom that isn't naturally the way that they do it. There, there's some of that, but there's also some inherent realities that um, that support that that early to bed, early to rise system. We look pre-industrial just the agrarian so you know not not yeah. the you know prehistoric uh realities of the hunter-gatherer where you know you you want to be 
safe and and yeah. asleep when the saber tooths are out or whatnot. But even agrarian, where there are just some lighting realities, you know, you're you're farming when there is light to farm. You yeah. know, at night it's just not practical. And then as it moved into uh, some of the you know the industrialization, there's just things that are easier about maintaining that day that day schedule now fast forward into what we're dealing with today and there's certainly no question i i thought that matt devella made some some good points um that sure you can be productive living the night owl lifestyle the question is what are the what are the frictions that make that difficult? I mean, there's just some things about our society that make that difficult, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think we're kind of subject to the whims of society, to kind of societal norms. Um, you look at even just kind of in our diet, we talked a lot about that last week, and I think that some of the um, racial things that are diet-associated, we look at historically lactose intolerance, for example. That was overcome by Europeans who are the primary members of U.S. society. And that disfavors Asian Americans and African Americans just by function of we have a lot of milk in our diet. Sure. There's some things that just happen naturally in society that you're kind of subject to and have to adapt to. And I think that disacknowledging that and saying we can just everyone live their own lifestyle is also does a disservice a little bit. Yeah, and I, I guess I also see some just some maybe more practical realities where, you know, when are the parties? Yeah. Okay. So if I'm staying up from, you know, 11 till one, absolutely. I can be, be productive. I mean, there's yeah. people that do that. Um, but there's also maybe more distractions, uh, you know, historically when shows were on now with Netflix and streaming, all of that's yeah. changed, but, but we're, we're sort of societally there's, there's, more opportunity for distraction in the evening than there is customarily in the morning. So certainly you can make it work. I mean, people do make it work as a night owl, um, but there's there's some headwinds yeah. <laughs> that they face, you know, as a society. And, you know, and I'd say on the flip side of that coin, there are those who say, no, I'm a night owl. And the question is, you know, are you a night owl? Because you're staying up till one o'clock, yeah. you know, binging Netflix, and then you're not wanting to wake up in the morning. Or could you convert to that schedule if you made different choices about when you go to bed? So totally, it's it's complex. But I thought super interesting topic. I think there's no question that there are disadvantages. Uh, yeah, for those. Uh, yeah, uh, and I think you know, that don't wake up. that by extension, we kind of lump all of those individuals who are maybe more successful at night into this like, oh, well, you can't get up early. So right. you're you must be lazy or right. you must be binging Netflix where Sarah Dietschy looking at her, she has a million subscribers on YouTube. She's a very successful video editor. It was amazing to me. And not that I am overly critical of night owls but definitely i have that bias and i think that's yeah. something that as society we maybe should start letting go of as everyone's moving into asynchronous work and remote work it was it was a super interesting thought that just never had and, and i love the idea again that it becomes an intentionality question totally whichever schedule you have you can make it work now public education and maybe in office working are the 
the you know the remaining bastions <laughs> totally <laughs> against sort of a a, a an atypical schedule a yeah. more night owl type schedule and so that's challenging and and we'll not get into it today but there is a lot of interesting research that says as a society we're messing up by trying to have yeah you know kids go to school early in the morning that yeah. that's not efficient laying that aside there are some some places where it's going to be hard to convert but it is really an, an important takeaway for me from this was worry less about you know bedtime you know yeah. as, as sort of this fixed ideal worry more about what you're doing with your time yeah and i thought great message yeah whenever you're most productive is the time you should design your life for yeah for sure um so the next thing we're going to talk about is the 1950s the air force Best of times, worst of times. Well, maybe just best of times. I don't know. Yeah, neither do I. But uh, the Air Force trying to design new seats for their pilots. So they bring in this engineer, and he took measurements, 10 measurements of 4,000 pilots in the Air Force, and defined the average to be plus or minus 15% of the mean. So then he goes through, and he says, how many people... How many pilots are the average pilot fit into that plus or minus 15% of the mean in all 10 categories? Answer, shocking, zero. Not a single pilot (laughs) was an average pilot. So they were spending all this time designing these seats that weren't going to fit anybody. Yeah. So I think a lot of times we try in society to design for the average, but by doing so, we literally alienate every single person in society kind of interesting for sure and i mean physically no question question about it but even getting back to the question of time yeah you know we have a tendency to do that too where we look and we say okay if i look at all the successful people i've read all these books and here's what works for them and then i try to assimilate that into what that means for me expecting that i'll fit into this seat when the reality is often we're probably trying to do exactly that, trying to construct this seat of sorts where we're assimilating all of these different hacks and tips and, and you know, best practices in a way that doesn't really fit anyone. Yeah. The night, uh, the 5 a.m. club is really the perfect example where it certainly works for some people. Um, in fact, one of our friends who has one of the most beautiful yards ever gets up at 4.30 a.m. every day and just works in his yard. That's not something that I think works for most people, but it does. It brings him success. And I think a lot of people extrapolate, oh, if he's getting up at 430, then I have to get up at 430 to be successful. For sure. And the, the, the other additive to that is by it's probably fine if you're saying that one thing and then constructing your life, you know, with that as sort of a, an anchor point. Where I think we get into trouble is saying, okay, it's a 4.30. That's what works for this guy. And I'm taking that. Now I'm taking this tip from somebody else where yeah. it's intermittent fasting. And I'm taking this tip from someone else where it's, you know, a afternoon nap. And I'm taking this tip from somebody else. So, you know, getting back to the idea of the seat, we're taking 10 measurements yeah. that are really, even though they're they're related in terms of the body or whatever, they're they're disparate the length of my legs and the length of my arms may have nothing to do with one another you know what i mean so i think that's where we get into even more danger as we say ah this is working for this group of people or this individual but then we're kind of bolting onto that um a, a tip that is completely unrelated or or only tangentially related to that thing and saying 
one plus one equals two. Yeah. In the case of that, measuring 10 different measurements in the seat, yeah. one plus one plus one plus one plus one, you know, 10 yeah. times did not come up with 10. It came up with zero. Yeah. <laughs> it was subtractive. Yeah. What's the opposite of synergy? Di- yeah. di- you know, dissynergy. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredible to think. And you kind of look at Matt Diavella and Saradici and you say, man, Matt getting up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. is really working for him. And Saradici editing until 2 a.m. is really working for her. Now you've constructed a schedule just adding those two together that you're up from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. Yes, or conversely, you know, you say, okay, well, uh, somewhere between 6 and whenever Sarah gets up, you know, at 11. Oh, so the perfect, the average must be nine and a half. And then, you know, going to bed at 10 versus 2, oh, the average must be midnight. So that must be the idea. You know, that's that's not the way that, that things that, that those things work. So the, the takeaway is really, in my mind, we have to be super careful when we are extracting a measurement in something, even if we believe it's an appropriate measurement, yeah. decontextualizing that thing and trying to sort uh, you know, make it work in a different you know, a different situation or different context. Yeah, creating the Frankenstein's monster of life hacks is yeah. really a, a dangerous place to be. For sure, no question about it. And I think that we see some of that getting back just briefly to the to the idea of school. You know, that so often we look at this these the average. You know, and and we're sort of measured against these these minimum thresholds and totally and and you know we just find more and more problems with that idea of saying here's the average that is this conglomeration of of a bunch of different factors and then trying to use that to really measure how well someone's learning and you know what's being successful whatever else it it creates a lot of real world problems not only at a personal level but a lot of our societal institutions suffer as a result of trying to to do that kind of cobbled together the Frankenstein monster approach to, you know, to some of these, these ideas that we're trying to work on or solve. Yeah. So no, it's, it's a really good point. So final thing for, um, life design today, uh, get a weekly newsletter from Colin and Samir, the published press. It's an awesome newsletter. Um, we'll put a link in the description about it, but the article that they linked through to was titled Gen Z really wants a phone break baby boomers not so much what do you think are gen zers more phone aware than baby boomers uh, you know it's it's an interesting idea because i'm i'm you know i'm in that transitional generation totally. where we didn't grow up with any of that and so the way that i utilize the technology versus you it's different because mine is sort of a this um, using the term again, bolt on. It's it's something that is into my life now late, yeah. you know, later. And so I haven't really processed how to use it. So baby boomers, uh, it, it's just, I, I can see where for them, yeah, there's not a desire to get rid of it because it's, it's, it's sort of entered their life. It's, it's, it's novel still, yeah. you know, relative to their whole life experience. It still remains very novel. Totally. And here was the interesting thing I found because I could not believe that Gen Zers are more phone aware than baby boomers. Baby boomers are on their phone more than they would prefer 
51.6 of baby boomers said that. Okay, so to be clear, so just over half of baby boomers say, I'm on my phone more, more than, than I'd like. like. Okay. 31% are taking time, taking steps to reduce screen time. Okay. <laughs> In Gen Z, there are 70, over 75% are on their phone more than they would like. Uh-huh. And 41% are taking steps to reduce screen time. So if you look at kind of the ratio, it ends up being that I think we get so excited about Gen Zers, uh, social media fasts or detoxes, dopamine detoxes. Baby boomers have kind of gotten to a place in their life where they can add it in and there's some level of self-control because they aren't reliant on it as part of their like grandma and grandpa, they just don't use their phones that much. Right. So saying I need to use my phone less is silly. Yeah. Whereas for Gen Zers, if 75% of people are saying, yeah, I really have a problem with using my phone. Of course, then more of them are going to be saying, yeah, I want to use it less. It makes sense. And, and the other element is just the way they use it is so different. Whereas, totally. you know, it's it remains probably compartmentalized for most or, or at least a large percentage of baby boomers yeah. where, you know, for social media or whatever. But but um, so much of their life, I would expect looking at our parents, yeah. you know, my parents, it exists outside of the digital world. So it probably is just feels less oppressive than, you know, Gen Z or where Gen Z or where it probably touches almost every aspect of their life. Yeah, no question. I think that that's really a problem that we have, especially with the news is you see a news article and you're like, whoa, Gen Z people are really self-aware and baby boomers have no idea what they're doing with their lives. Where really when you take a step back and look at it, okay, yeah, with a little more data, it's just a headline. It, it would tell a very different story. Yeah. The, the one other piece that is uh, interesting and you know kind of fits in exactly with what we're really working on and trying to do it is this disconnect between I want less and I'm actually going to try Totally. To, you know, to get less. Yeah. So here's my molo, you know, my yeah. less of, I want less digital. Here is the percentage of people actually taking, you know, some affirmative step to try to, to well, reduce that. And, and getting down to why do yeah. we want less is, is the real key. Cause if you have, if you're saying I want less because I think I should want less, well, of course you're never going to follow through. And that was really the point is, where is the value disconnect? Is it that the I want less actually isn't that important to me? Or is it that I, I'm misvaluing some of these pieces of what I'd have to change in order to get less of it? So, yeah, it's always a challenge. And no question. <laughs> there is uh, no end of challenges related to the digital world. We, For we sure. In. And intentional living. So. Yes. Um, all right. Well, I think we're down to Tuesday's top performers. Great. Um, for me... Uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom came out this week. Um, been playing that all weekend. The, I think they're fantastic games. Um, it's been met with the same critical success as Breath of the Wild. And one thing I learned about Breath of the Wild that was super interesting was that Nintendo, when they designed it, they just put landmarks in an open world, but because they put them in such a formulaic fashion, people said, yeah, but it's not really great when they were doing the initial beta tests. Right. So they completely rewrote their formula and they went to this triangle scheme where they would make the horizon full of different sized triangles. Hmm. And as you move up over around them or up over them or around them, you see new things to go do. And so it's not just like the path is laid straight in front of you. Um, as you go around, the path kind of becomes more apparent. 
And that was such an interesting thing for me because as we've been talking about intentional living, that really is what we're going through. We, we take steps in our lives. We overcome obstacles. We move around those triangles and all of a sudden there's our next thing. It becomes so apparent where if you just stand, if you don't make progress, if you're not moving up or over around these tri- uh, triangles, you get stuck and you yeah. don't make a lot of progress. And it's really moving through those obstacles that leads to the, the clarity on what, what comes next. And you never know what the world is that you cannot see. Absolutely. It's beyond those obstacles. Yeah, no question. No, that's a great one. Um, well, yesterday was Mother's Day. So my uh, Tuesday's top performer uh, this week is moms. Uh, there's, and I'll certainly not dive into any of the political uh, noise that surrounds the, the, the title of mom, but moms are awesome. Yeah. You know, and moms matter. And a lot of what we're working through, you know, and what we as a family are, are working on is, is because of what we felt and learned from our mom. So yeah. uh, moms, Thanks much. Yeah, we watched a YouTube video yesterday with my in-laws, um, and they posted a job interview for a director of operations, and they had real interviews for it, and they got them on, and they're like, it's going to pay nothing. It's going to be 24, 365. You probably won't sleep a whole lot, um, and the associate's just going to take everything from you, but the associate's the most valuable thing to you, so you... We, we have other directors of operations who just love their associates in spite of how much they take from them. And these people are like, man, that sounds horrible. And then they say, well, yeah, it's actually moms. Mom. And they're like, oh. And they're just like, so grateful for their moms. It was awesome. So oh, that's cool. It really yep. is. Way to go, moms. Yeah, no question. Tough job. But, um, well, we appreciate you sticking with us through the, the episode. Um, if you want to know how you can help us out, leaving us a review or subscribing on the YouTube channel really, really helps us out. Um, we're so grateful for everyone who listens week in and week out. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So if you have any questions that you like to hear us discuss, leave them in the comments and we'll see you in the next one.